Today we're going to be talking about 1% changes that make your life better in all kinds of avenues. Sleep's going to be one of the topics. Uh, we're going to talk about like five things that are going to change your sleep habits and make you that much better. Segment two is going to be all about prehabilitation, trying to find problem areas. And we're going to give you some tips on how you can prevent injuries and keep your body moving well. And lastly, we're going to talk about growth and fixed mindset and how most of the world says growth is the way to start going. But maybe, maybe we can persuade you that fixed is actually very helpful. One of the biggest topics you were talking about with me was in this 1% change and everything is sleep was a major deal they were going through. Of course, firefighters, you guys right. were missing tons of sleep. So they went through it and uh, it's kind of interesting, all the stuff you were saying. So kind of get into it, the four segments of Let's sleep. Let's be clear. It's, it's not that we're just missing sleep. It's also that the sleep we're getting is crappy. Like, right. It's terrible sleep. And so this, the, the, the input they had on all this was like, not only can we change some small habits in your, in your sleep effort to make it, um, better overall, but we'll also make it, um, more impactful. And I thought that was the part that I was most interested in. Cause I don't, I don't want to sit down, try and go to sleep, have crappy sleep and then be like, well, it was all a waste of time. Well, most people can relate when they're, you know, if you're hardworking or if you're a younger kid or any of those kind of scenarios, if you're staying up too late on your phone, I mean, that's almost universal now with yeah. all ages losing sleep. So everybody can kind of relate to the idea of it. It's just your versions like on steroids. Yeah, I no, mean, it's, it's bad. Hey, so, wake up, firefight. We got to fight a fire, get a wreck, pick an old person up. Stress or, hormone. Yeah. Back off. So so one of the craziest things, and this was the part where like I started seeing the 1% change making a big deal, was like the the ability to just go to bed earlier and how that affects your your melatonin rhythm. So you heard of melatonin? Yes. Yeah. The, like a lot of people take melatonin as like a supplement to help them sleep. Turns out melatonin is not to help you go to sleep. Melatonin is actually there to help you stay asleep. And so your body naturally releases it over the, over the course of a night. Like almost exactly eight hours, you have this melatonin wave and it's highest at about the middle and, and it holds there for a little bit to help you stay asleep and then it goes away. And melatonin specifically is like a counteractor to like cortisol and your stress hormones. So it's a really interesting um, chemical that, that runs a lot of your sleep pattern. But what it does is like it gets on a block and it just does its ramp and comes back down. It doesn't matter whether it's eight hours in the beginning of the night or eight hours in the middle of the night or eight hours at the end of the night, it's going to try and run its whole, its whole course. So it, when they were, you know, making their presentation, was it, uh, is it always, but you know, they give you routines. Mm -hmm. They say you should go to bed at the same time every right. night, wake up. That's a big sleep practice right. recommendation in, were they talking about that on how you guys could overcome that seeing as yeah. how it was broken? So I had this terrible habit of in, in waiting until like midnight to fall asleep and if the melatonin wave is going to happen, it's going to be eight hours anyway. If I wait till midnight, that means not until eight o'clock is the melatonin going to be out of my system. So if I had to wake up before eight o'clock, I'm going to be really sleepy because melatonin is the thing that says stay asleep. That's interesting because, I mean, I can relate to that for sure. When you right. wake up in the morning and it's just a little bit before that spot that your body groggy. likes. You just feel like Ugh. it's like 40 minutes early. It's not even a lot and you just feel mm. terrible. You're like, oh, my God, I just get hit by a truck. Right. And, and, and it takes so long to get your body moving. It's like, it's like you're in lead and you're just trying to drag it through. Right. So melatonin is kind of one of the main culprits of that. And so one of the 1% thing is like, go, go to bed a half hour earlier, go to bed an hour earlier. And the reason for that is you shift that eight hour block of melatonin further towards the early part of your night. And so that if you have to wake up early in the morning, which we do around the fire station, many people do at home, you're not in the drag session of trying to beat melatonin because it's in your system still. So is the recommendation always that seven to eight hour for adult? Is that truly, um, is that the window of the melatonin that they recommended? Just according, according to the research they were showing us, it is like if you are a human, eight hours of sleep is what you need when you're an adult. That's it. And, and they related it to like being tall. So they said, sure. On average, the the average human is like between five seven and five ten. Like that's the average height of of an adult male. And then you have outliers, Shaquille O'Neal's, the ones that are like seven foot something. That would be the person that needs like four hours of sleep. But she's like, you don't walk down the street and meet a lot of seven foot tall people. Sure. So like, you don't walk down the street and meet a lot of people that don't need eight hours of sleep. That's your number. 
it's kind of funny because it, it seems almost anytime you're trying to be a successful anything or the recommendation always seems to be so, ah, well, as long as you're getting six, as long as you five to six, right. and all of a sudden that number just keeps trying to move to well, I, make you work like a dog. You know, I watched a YouTube video the other day that's like how to get four hours of sleep and make them count. And I was like, yeah, well, that's what I want because I want to be able to, you know, do my job and I know I'm going to get roughly four hours of sleep a night and, and make it count. These sleep study people are like, no, that's crazy. Don't right. do that. Well, what? It, so in, in your scenario, and you're on the job, and it, your sleep gets broken up. Is mm-hmm. there any recommendations? Do naps actually help? Do is there any portion of that like you're just trying to get to an eight hour thing during yeah. a day, or what? It, no, that's really- a that's a great question. I asked the same thing because I was like, well, can I preload a couple naps on board, knowing that it's going to be yeah. bad? I see that you're telling me what I suck at. Can mm-hmm. is there any way that yeah. I can? And get- as an absolute downer, she goes, no. I was like, wait a second. I can't pre preset this. She's like, no, your body needs whatever sleep it needs. She's like, but on the on the good side, you've probably ruined your sleep for so long that you're already behind. So go ahead and take a nap. You need the nap. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so naps are beneficial. Naps are perfectly beneficial. She said naps uh, as low as, uh, let me get her name down because I, I feel really bad just saying like she said and, and not actually tell you what her name is. Well, I mean, and, I've, I've heard a lot about yeah. naps while you're looking for that. Uh, J- Jamie Tarter, she's a doctor uh, and specifically studies sleep, sleep habits and like chronic stress issues. And she had a lot of data for us. So, so she specifically said that if you are getting maybe as low as 20 minute naps, it's a really good way to kind of give you that, that extra bump that you need. Uh, that, but how does that correlate with, you know, when you go back to that chart of like the different cycles, uh, that you get into, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If it's only 20 minutes, then are you really getting to your deep sleep? Are you really, you know, how did she address those types of things? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good thing. Maybe if if we can pop over and pull up sort of the different phases of sleep, because there are different phases. There's just you being awake. Um, there's, there's the light sleep phase. Then there's the REM, which I think most people have heard of the most. Most people have heard REM. That's where I dream. That's where my eye, rapid eye movement that everyone kind of knows that. And then there's the deep sleep. And if you've got, you know, the watch that sits there and, and shows you where the deep sleep is. I haven't is. used that much. I, I, oh, it's, it's, um, uh, are they accurate? Do you feel like you're getting decent data? I don't know. I, I will say every time I look at it, I just get depressed. I'm like, oh, I didn't get any deep sleep. Like it's well, so explain it to me a little bit because I don't mm-hmm. actually don't know. Does it? It tells yeah. you each, each stage you're in yeah, based it, on it's, heart rate. It's kind or... of a wave, and so you'll you'll look and you'll see it'll go across the, the the night as it tracks, and it'll go down really really low, and that shows you're in deep sleep. And deep sleep based on heart rate is that what you're I think referring to? I think it's based on heart rate, but it's also based on um, body movement and, and things like that. REM, your body's paralyzed. Like your eyes are moving like crazy, but your body is actually, it's out, it's checked out. So you can lift a person's hand who's in REM and drop it and it has no muscle tone. Interesting. So they, they track REM sleep by, is this person not stirring heart rate? What kind of things are going on there? They don't have brain probes from my Apple watch to my head, obviously. So they're doing the best thing they can by just measuring like, what is your body doing at this point? Oh, so you're using your Apple watch during this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it'll, it'll just sit there and run all night. If, if it's been charged and I've, I've got a day in it, it'll, it'll run all night. And I know yeah. It. As long as you charge it before bed, cause it's never charged long enough, blah, blah, blah. But you know, but soon, gonna, yeah, soon but the battery is one of these oh days. These things might actually be a good tool to have for right. everything. But yeah, for the constant monitoring of these. So things. on your Apple watch, you open up mm-hmm. what is a sleep app, I guess. Mm-hmm. I have not played with it at yep. all. You turn It'll show deep, it'll show coming up into light, it'll show REM, it'll kind of have a, a, depending on which app you're using, it'll show you exactly what stages you were in and how long you were in them throughout the night. And so the cool part was she specifically said, you'll hit deep sleep earlier in the night, you'll hit more REM sleep later in the night, and each of those parts of sleep have completely different functions. And so the body actually remembers what part it needs. And so when you take that nap, it gets back into that part of sleep as quick as it can to try and make up that difference. Interesting. Very cool. So for instance, if you know, we'll just call it an eight hour uh, night and you know that the first four hours you're trying to get into deep sleep, but we got woke up for a call. You get woke up for your kid, the dog's barking because it's a storm night, like any number of things wake you up through the middle of this. You wake up, you get around, you move around, you go back to sleep your brain tries to go straight back towards deep sleep because that's what it really needs. During deep sleep, your body is like shutting down the brain and cleaning it out. So the the glymphatic system is what it's called. It's using 
this lymph system to soak all the toxins out of the brain, use the cerebral spinal fluid to, to wash it out, and to get it all cleaned up. Because those are the things that end up making it very hard to think. Uh, it and these are all byproducts from going throughout thinking. the day, yeah. doing things. Absolutely. Where Just, you get mu- you get fatigued after you give a speech or read a book or any right. of those kinds of things. That yeah, I mean, it, just even dealing with stress, dealing with um, a kid that won't stop uh, screaming or, or a really hard um, issue at work that you were trying to work through with a, with a friend. Now, we go into REM next, which happens more on the la- later half, and that is not the thinking part. That's not the cleaning out part. That's like the emotional part. REM so, is? Yeah, REM. So that's when, you're, when your brain is, when you're sitting there going like, I don't know, that that entire dream didn't make any sense. Well, that's because like thinking wasn't really what your brain was doing at that moment. It was just trying to associate an image with an emotion so that your body could kind of like sort it out. I'm going to sort out emotions. So if you ever notice like, I'm not getting my sleep in the morning, I'm waking up too early and you end up having like this, I'm, I'm just mad all day. Or maybe maybe your wife is just mad all day. Or maybe your kid who keeps waking up in the morning is mad all day. A lot of that has to do because your REM cycle didn't get enough reps through it, and it didn't get a chance to resort some of these emotions. And so you have really? this really super weird. Right? Everybody's going to bed tonight, four p.m. We're getting I, in the hours. I've tried so, <laughs> so I've tried to make that because I was like, oh, that's it. I'm going to sleep at like eight p.m. I'll do eight p.m. and then I, whenever I wake up, I'll, I'll get all the hours I need. That is unrealistic. I can't go to bed at 8 p.m. to save my life. No, I get it. I've, it's not very easy to shift something unless you're dog tired, you, mm-hmm. you're just exhausted. But I don't know. You can you can make like a bedtime and yeah. you will actually evolve. I, I used to be a late at night person. I wouldn't go to sleep till all hours of the night. And um, now it's like when I had my first kid, I didn't sleep at all. I was awake no. all the time. There was too no. many machines. There was too much noise. We had every gimmick and gadget that was possibly available. You, to... I think you guys had a siren that went off anytime oh, the, man. Your, your child blinked. Well, and she was a little bit of a loud sleeper, so yeah. she was right next to us. And then when she went in the other room, we had all these sound stuff, all these things that alarmed everything. I would wake up so many times in the night. And on our second kid, it's kind of funny. I started going to bed earlier because I'm mm. like, the probably the best time that I could sleep is the first half when you're sleeping. Right. So I started going to bed at about 10 o'clock. And, and when she's sleeping. That's what I mean. Yeah. It was like right after we got done with all the stuff, then I was kind of trying to go to bed soon thereafter. And when I started going to bed at 10, it's been nearly like four months of going to bed at 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, I feel pretty good. I feel pretty good. It's a thing. So so on the 1% better uh, front, like that's kind of what I think I'm going to need to start doing. Because I want to go straight to 8 o'clock. But right. it's unrealistic. And I don't, I don't even like the idea of it. But right now I'm doing like midnight on the regular. So if I start making sure I'm getting to bed by, we'll say 1130 for a month, I don't know. And then that becomes easy enough. Maybe I just start getting tired at 1130 instead of midnight. And maybe I can be right there with you where I'm going to bed at a reasonable hour. Again. Well, unfortunately, I mean, 10 is a little bit early, but if you get up in the sixes or you get up in the sevens on the regular, like. That's, That's when your eight you got to go to bed. Right. Yeah. So Ugh, and it's depressing it's, too. It's simple math, really. It, it's not rocket science. So you want to know the weirdest part that she talked about in this whole thing? What's that? There's this strange cell in your eyeball. So we talked about the melatonin oh, right. cycle. I remember you talking about yeah, this. Yeah. So, so there's, this, there's this cell in your eyeball. The only purpose it has is to say blue light's there. Like that's it. And your melatonin is linked to when blue light is missing. That's the whole thing this cell does. So you're walking around outside, blue light, blue sky, like that's that's just part of sunshine. That cell gets excited and it says, hey, we're not releasing melatonin yet. Let's keep rolling. And, and there's some cortisol that gets released during that time too. And then when the blue light goes away, you're, we'll say this is 100 years ago, 200 years ago, no electricity. You're, you're talking about candles, which are expensive, or no light at all. So now there's no light. The melatonin says, well, it's time to release because... I wonder if uh, a flame light is the same. Well, it's... Is that a yeah, blue that'd light? Yeah, be, that'd be... A, it, it has light in it, but I don't know what... It's a very narrow band that this cell looks at. Right. Very narrow. So it's very possible that like flame light doesn't do it. But flame light is expensive. If you're going to sit there and have a, fl- a candle all night, and most people didn't, then you're going to have to pay some money. Like cities oftentimes put out their streetlights because it costs too much money to keep these streetlights lit the whole time with all the oil that they would have to have out there. 
So that's part of the reason, like, Jack the Ripper's out there murdering people is because... You got dark. Yeah, it's dark in the streets. <laughs> I can murder whoever I want. So anyway, you've got this cell. This cell says, uh, release melatonin because I don't see blue light anymore, and it starts making you sleepier. But all of the things we have between electricity and lights and the phone that blasts you in the face, you stop releasing further and further and further back until you personally have decided... I'm not putting any more blue light in my eyeball. You turn off the phone, you turn off the lights, and you actually give your chance, give yourself a chance to go to sleep. So in a, in a past world, past pre-technology, mm-hmm. you naturally were going to start releasing all the melatonin you would need because you're there is no access to yeah. the TV screen. There is no access At to sundown. the phone. And now all of a sudden, you know, what is it? 11, 12 before people are like, oh God, I guess I got to go to bed. Right. Yeah. No, the, the way that it works now is you're fully driven by like exhaustion. You're not driven by the natural like swell of melatonin and the, and the reduction of cortisol. You're driven by like, I've got exhaustion going on and we fight that with caffeine. So you, you can effectively tell your brain to shut up for a long time. It's kind of interesting. Do you do you think that uh, even you personally, you would be able to set down the phone from dark on and see if it? Oh, do you think gosh, you could test no. it? Do you think I, you could test it? I had it? a buddy. I had a buddy who decided for Lint, he was going to follow the sun. It was like when he said, it, "I was like, that sounds like a terrible idea." But you, unfortunately, the way that the world is, like, what? When do you get to do anything you want to do? Exactly. You like if you've got kids. It's when they go to bed that you get like your time to follow whatever pursuit you want to follow, even sure. if it's just video gaming. I don't have to have my kid like I can I can play the video games that have blood because I don't have a kid staring over my shoulder going, why did his head pop? <laughs> it's true. Didn't intend to have that conversation today. But yeah, so instead, I well now the kids go to bed at 830. Well, I have the next two to three hours to, to play those video games or to to read that book that I can't read when I've got a kid over my shoulder. And so then my day just keeps going further back. Not anymore. They said, don't do it anymore. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow their advice. They said, don't do what? They, they, said, said, they said, don't stay up that late anymore. You got to go to bed earlier. It's kind of funny, though. I've been super on my radar because I remember how much I was going insane. Mm-hmm. I normally always could get my sleep because when you don't have a kid, I could sleep in. I had these crazy hours, so I would sleep as long as I needed to sleep, and then right. I would wake up. And then when you eliminated all that, I was like, I'm a pretty happy, go-getter kind of person, I feel like. Uh, and to not feel all those things for so long, I was like, I'm not doing that again. Right. So by going to sleep earlier, I kind of am a little bit in the camp of already firsthand seeing the parallels of how different your life can be if you get adequate amount of sleep, which for your profession, I still don't know what were the true recommendations they were giving you? Because there are other people that are like that too, you know, cops and different things that have to be in an environment where you're going to be waking up on the regular. So what recommendations were they giving to... I mean, a to nap, help make it happen. Uh, yeah, a nap isn't yep. exactly even feasible to get you to the eight-hour window mm-hmm. most of the time. So, what recommendations do they really give you? So it's it's funny, <laughs> Doctor uh, Doctor Tartar basically said you have babies and the babies have bedtime routines because you're trying to help them learn to fall asleep and do all these things. It's like you are a grown-up baby. Do the exact same thing for you. It's like build a bedtime routine. Will you come over and rock me? I will. I will absolutely. I'll pat. I will pat your butt. We will burp you. I'll get you a little bit of tummy filling. Like it's it's exactly what you need. So she says, um, "Your think through the important things that are problematic when you start going to bed." She's like, "Well, if we're trying to get melatonin to release, we need to start turning off lights. So switch your phone to that you know blue light eliminator. Uh, put it away would be better." Um, start reducing the light in the house, like make it to just lamps during the evening, do things like that. Then when it's time to go to bed, what's the other thing that tends to happen is you're ready to fall asleep. Like, Oh shoot. Did I remember to get that thing ready for tomorrow's meeting? Oh, oh, I better write that down. Did I, Oh, where are my keys? I know I have my, I'm not going to be able to find my keys in the morning and I got to get out of here early. Any number of things start popping into your brain. So she's like, instead grab a journal, put it by your nightstand. Right before you go to bed, write down like all the things that you could be concerned about for the next day. Almost prep your next day ahead of time so that those are on paper and they don't need to be floating around in your brain hoping that you'll remember them when you wake up. It's a big thing. Uh, oh, if yeah. you got stuff floating around in your brain, it's, it's almost as if you have to repeat it, repeat it, repeat it so you make sure you remember it. Well, not only that, you anything like that that you're worried about happening, you start releasing stress hormones to like 
heighten your awareness and to heighten it. So those are the exact things you don't want when you're trying to fall asleep. So remove the stress hormones. I don't have to worry about remembering this because the piece of paper will. And I can pick it up tomorrow and actually start my day in the right direction, which is really, really cool. And then the last thing she really kind of harped on was light. You got to get rid of all of the light. So she's a big proponent of like blackout curtains. You want this place pitch black. I literally, I, I not even joking. I've been sleeping with t-shirts on my face for so long because we have all these night lights so that you can go help your kid when you wake oh, up okay. all yeah, night. You don't bust the, bust the shin on so the So literally this morning, mm-hmm. just bought one of the sweet little visor things that yeah. goes around your head. I, it, I've been sleeping so much better covering my face. And every time I'm awake, it's because the thing's not on my face. Right. It will, so it's so weirdly enough, your eyelid is not enough to block that uh, that sensor that says blue lights there. Yeah, who thought night lights were a good idea? Who? Why didn't we just get thicker eyelids? Yeah, I don't know. It's you would think that would be nice, right? I mean, if, I, if we're built in with the thing, why don't we have the thing blocker? Yeah, yeah, I could see that. So in the one percent concept, you mm-hmm. know, we've told the crowd today we're going to be talking about this one percent yep. topic. That each of these things that you went over in this deal. Mm-hmm. The 1% is those little things. Yeah, the 1% is... Taking uh, a one little movement a day, is that like yep. how we're explaining this, this? month, this month, I'm going to go and uh, find the blackout curtains, and I'm going to get them hung up. That's 1% better, and all of a sudden, I'm going to have a little bit better sleep. And then maybe next turn month, the phone off the uh, bright blue, or maybe even try to set it down by 9 p.m. Put it, put an alarm on my, on my phone so that at 9 o'clock, an alarm goes off, and I go, oh, right, I'm trying to... Put this away now. Keep going. What do you got? We got bedtime. Another one percent. Yeah, yeah. And the bedtime. You, Hopefully, heck, your brother can come you rock get you to sleep. Get and yourself a journal. And so now, my one percent for this month is going to be: I'm going to get a journal and I'm going to write in it every time I'm getting ready to go to bed all the things I'm I'm thinking about or worried about. I'm going to just dump all that out there. Seems like a pretty good start. I mean, one percent of the stuff. It, you, you see it in so many different facets of life, though, that 1%, just make one little change mm-hmm. and just start moving in a direction. And it's funny when you were kind of reviewing all this stuff with me, hammering me at the water park, like, oh, dude, look, listen to all this stuff we went right. over. And uh, I was like, man, I'm doing like a lot of that stuff and I'm feeling great, though. Yeah. That, that's what I thought was kind of weird. But you like, didn't do it all at once. You no, didn't just be like, no. revolutionize sleep. No, no. But it, it's just, I was like, huh. I've been, I do notes. I do notes when I got a lot of stuff floating around. That I can't explains thinking why about. I feel better. Yeah. It's just kind of interesting. Cause I, va- I, I could easily draw the line in the sand of like four years ago, one scenario of mm-hmm. ultimate suck of terrible sleep, feeling bad, getting grumpy, getting miserably tired, trying to hype it all up with caffeine and then having a, a nearly completely different experience only from going to bed the same time every night. And the only reason why I realized that worked is because I was starting to get really tired around the same time. So I just started going to bed. And when I started going to bed, I'm like, well, it must be 10 o'clock because I'm tired again. Right. So I just started going to bed every night at 10 o'clock and literally I can wake up without an alarm clock verbatim at the exact same time every single day within like three minutes. It's really weird. Is it? Is it exactly eight hours? I mean, I'm going to ask you to do real fast math, but I'll talk while you do it. Pretty close. Pretty yeah? close. Yeah. If, if I wake up um, in the sevens, mm-hmm. I feel like I've slept a Perfect. ton. And if I wake up in the sixes, like right on the front half, mm-hmm. I'm pretty okay. But anything in the late fives, I feel like I'm short. Like I feel a little tired that mm-hmm. day. But if I'm mid to late sixes, I'm golden. So it is. It's, you're, you're sitting there it's in the eight hours. It's literally verbatim the exact things this lady is saying. Yeah. Is, it, it works. And what's kind of interesting, though, is what's odd to me is everything that anybody enjoys doing is always in this end of the night era. Yes. You know what this really means is day drinking has mm-hmm. to become a more of a reality. I Isn't need, that what we really came up with here? What I need you to understand is is Dr. Tartar is 100% on board with all of these things because she brought it up. She goes, now I know what many of you are thinking, nightcap, and what should we do about that? She says, let me change your world, daycap. <laughs> she's like i like her more she's like you get hammered in the middle of the day and then you don't have to worry about all the things that alcohol does to your bad sleep you're already done processing that by sleep time just become day drinkers everyone you know it's kind of funny that you say that too though because if you do have any kind of cocktails on a saturday or you're doing that you know i'm an adult you know card me i'm legal yeah i've seen it and uh it's just kind of funny because I have too seen that. You know, if you wait until your seven or eight o'clock hours and you do your 
normal kind of hanging out with some friends, doing your thing, having mm-hmm. a cocktail, all of a sudden it's 12 or one the next day, no matter what you feel terrible. Yeah. If you do anything like that at a noon, 11 mm-hmm. alcoholics everywhere, love this conversation. Yes, They're going to sleep way better. We're wrecking worlds, <laughs> but, but possibly building futures. But it is kind of funny though. If you move that little session of hanging out with some friends and doing that and you do it during the day mm-hmm. and you go to sleep at the normal time, you always go to bed next day. You is- feel exactly the same as you always do. Yeah. Who knew sleep was like the what? the ultimate guide to everything. Yeah, well, do you, we would the thing is we'll have to revisit again cuz she had a whole other thing about like the hormones and how they're actually working in the body. And right, like I'm going to have to like bone up on the on the words and all the study for that right. cuz it is I'd like to read a bunch too. We'll have to find some studies that are based on sleep cuz let's go back into sleep. But it seems almost as if uh maybe there's a whole lot more Brought oh, into man. this sleep thing that's causing Dude. everyone's problems across the board. Which... She she said light at night is uh, it is a uh, a carcinogen. Really? Yes, because bad sleep is is linked to so many types of cancer. So she, like like I said, we can get down a whole nother rabbit hole on like what other health benefits outside of just what we feel come from this. Like there's a nurse study that showed higher rates of breast cancer in night shift nurses. There's and there's all kinds of stuff in there. So we'll. Yeah, we'll have to take a deep dive into it and, and, and do a little more research, find some mm-hmm. cool studies for you guys. But I have to ask one more question in this segment. I've given um, a pretty good depiction of, mm. of a parallel of my good sleep, mm-hmm. bad sleep. Yeah. Did you have good sleep times ever? And then when you became a firefighter, it became more of an issue? Or have you kind of never really embraced that? Ever. So my, my problem is I've always been a night owl. I will always wait until way too late to sleep. So the only time I ever had good sleep was when I didn't have a thing to do in the morning. So um, there were a couple of semesters in college where I didn't, and I would wake up at like 11, and I felt great during those. Like I'd stay up until midnight, 2 a.m., and then I'd wake up at 11, and I'd still feel like I was firing on all cylinders. felt great. But I've never felt that since then because once you start getting a job that wants you there at 8 a.m., can't really be a night owl. At can't be a night owl. Yeah, I got I got to like you said, if I'm waking up at six, I got to be trying to go to bed by 10 on the regular. Well, what, what's kind of odd, though, is I've almost shifted that two hours of, you know, most parents have that little me time thing, which basically mm-hmm. means they don't talk to their spouse and they sit on their phone. Mm. But I didn't did I say that out loud. No, but I recognize it. I don't know why I recognize it. Yeah. But what's funny, though, is. I don't know that it brings like people together per se, mm-hmm. but those same little two or three hours that you kind of sit at the end of the night, I have that in the morning. Mm-hmm. So when I get up, I'll, I have my routine. I try to stick to it. I get my little workout in, um, kind of prepping for shows and doing things. But that little chunk is right. literally the same thing that you would have at night. Right. But then the next day you just get to feel like dumpiness all day because right. you just didn't go to sleep when the other one you go to the sleep and then you got some really good hours of right. No, what I'm, you want. I'm 100% like making life worse for my family by not sleeping well because I'm cranky. I'm slower thinking. I don't remember things. My favorite is when I find somebody that I absolutely know and I can't remember their name. Yeah. That makes you feel like a well, real good friend. It does mess with friend. your memory a ton. Absolutely. What, uh, I don't remember the exact answer you gave and we might have blown through it. What were the true recommendations? You said uh, they were the bedtime, mm-hmm. the lights and yep. all those things. So when you did get those small hours, then like you're getting good sleep and then mm-hmm. take naps was the ultimate. Yep. yep. And by reducing the light, you're also reducing the thing that starts reducing your, your melatonin production. So it helps you stay asleep. And that's kind of the other thing. Like when you're not staying asleep across that whole time or it's broken or it's really bad sleep and you end up waking up a lot, that's part of the reason why like sleep apnea is such a big deal. Sleep apnea, I'm waking up all the time. It's not breathing well um, by taking one of those uh, machines that CPAP machines that forces air into your lungs, makes so you can sleep all the way through the night. All these people that the very first time they've ever had it, it's like life changing because they didn't realize they hadn't been sleeping for, for time. like sure. when dad, dad was like, all of a sudden, I time traveled to six a.m. It's like how yeah, that's how called often, it's called sleeping. Yeah, yeah. How, how often that? did you wake up before? I don't know. I just woke up when I woke up. Yeah, my, but like when was it? Yeah, my friend Dominic. He's my age. You know, he's mm-hmm. in his mid thirties, and uh, he told me probably three or four years ago he went and got a sleep study, and they, he found out he had sleep apnea. Mm-hmm. He uses the thing, and he's like, I think everybody in America should wear one of these. It's I mean, just it was well, turbo, turbo charges your breathing. I mean, yeah. you just. 
no problems. But if that's why you're waking up, I mean, right. unfortunately, temperature also was a huge thing. Like for me personally, mm-hmm. I know that it's recommended for positive sleep habits and things, yeah. but if it gets too hot, I wake up a lot. And uh, I am exactly the other way. That's weird. I do not do like if I get too cold, I will shiver myself awake at like 65. It's 65, 65 is cold. It might be 60, it might be 68. Like, See, I could sleep pretty good at 68. Oh, no. I, I Like, I'll I'll get a full shiver and wake up and be like, oh, and I'll pull the cover up, and then I'll go to sleep again, and then I'll shiver and I'll wake. It's 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 torture. You ever mm. gone camping? Oh, uh, yes. And you're laying out there, and Chilly. it gets, it, at the at the beginning of the night, it's like hot, and can't you can't sleep. go to sleep. It's way too hot. You're right. sweating your tail off. But then as the night kind of cools down, it's only 80 degrees, but I didn't come prepared for 80 because I threw everything off because I was sweating my tail off. Well, now 80 degrees starts feeling like 60 degrees because it's the middle of the night, and now I'm shivering. I can't fall asleep then. So you get crappy sleep in the beginning of the night. That's why camping is not any fun, you see. The only time (laughs) I've ever slept well during camping is in a hammock, which, by the way, pristine. Or two, like those hours between like 7 a.m. and 9 a.m. Because at 9 a.m. you're going to get too hot again. But those little, that two-hour block is, is... that's the window, huh? That's what I will. That's what I look forward to. I I suffer through the entire eight hours of the night to get to those two hours of bliss. That's what <laughs> camping's all about. Yay! <laughs> One of the coolest things that you were kind of talking through was the idea of prehabilitation. Oh yeah. Rather than rehab, the yeah. concept of preventing all these injuries, making one yep. percent changes to try to actually make sure. You don't get hurt rather than getting hurt and trying to fix everything. For me, it was like, it. I don't want to say it was like a lightning bolt moment because everyone should know this, but just the word itself, prehabilitation to me felt like, yes, that's the side of injury I want to be working on. Yeah, sometimes you hear a, a phrase or a word and you're like, I don't, I don't know why I never connected those dots. Yeah, I think that, but I haven't thought that that way. Right. And what were so they went over like a segment, oh, just man. basically explain it to us a little bit. So yeah, it, it's kind of it's kind of a three segment effort. First of all, it's like identifying the problems that you might have or the potential problems that you're working towards and don't know it. Now, a lot of these are balances or imbalances, weaknesses in certain joints, weaknesses through a certain range of motion. Now, is this a process or is it a broad thing? At like I got a bum knee. Mm-hmm. We're talking about okay, that's your problem, or is it? Uh, a well, again, more that's vast? that's kind of rehab stuff. When you've already got the problem, when true, you've already true, got true. the injury, this is more like, hey, we're noticing you don't have as much ankle mobility in your left foot versus your right foot. Hey, we're noticing that uh, when you take your right foot off the ground, your balance is better. But when you take your left foot off the ground, you find yourself looking for something to grab much earlier. Like all of those are indications that like a joint maybe doesn't have enough accessory muscles that hold it well, um, that you are not used to moving in space with uh, with that foot off the ground. And it would it would tend to be the instance where you're going to fall. Well, if I can't take my left foot off the ground without being unbalanced for any amount of time, I'm more likely to fall then. Yeah, so let's not wait for the fall. Let's let's, let's build against that problem. You prehabilitate. Right. And so that was the first thing. Like so this includes like taking balance tests. This includes taking range of motion tests. This includes and there's quite a few of them online. Like you, they've every I think every major player has built some special uh, way to test those balance points. And you can you can legitimately go through all of them. But the goal is still the same. Find out, do you have an imbalance between your left and right side? Find out, do you have a weakness through a range of motion? That's the game. Right. And I, I think I made a video. It was a monologue I did a couple weeks ago that was like a, the concept of bulletproof your body. And mm-hmm. it's a lot to do with that premise. It, it's funny you start discussing that. And I love when I hear other people. I'm like, ah, I knew this was something that you really yeah. should be working on. Right, because right. It, why do I want to wait for everything to get hurt? You yeah. know what? Why not I just incorporate some kind of a simple procedure that I'm doing two to three times a week that mm-hmm. runs through range of motion in different ways? And I feel like uh, some of those balance things are a little interesting. I, w- I haven't been doing a lot of balance mm-hmm. tests myself personally, but it is kind of funny once you get into odd positions and you find out that one way you can't quite do it the same. And it, right. you oftentimes, I think most people kind of blame being left-handed or right-handed. Mm-hmm while it's a little bit bigger than that. You no, know, I mean, like when I was a strong. kid, when I was a kid, I always plant my left foot to kick the soccer ball with my right foot. And so my left foot is my balance foot. Like I can balance on my left foot for 
like I'm, I was about to say minutes. Lord knows I can't balance for minutes. Like seconds, but lots of seconds longer <laughs> than on my right foot. I mean, it's a thing, though. 1,001, 1,002, 1,007 did it. But it is. Like, my left side is much better at balancing than my right side. And that is actually a problem because there's going to be plenty of times when I'm asked to, da- to balance on my right foot that is the opportunity for injury to occur. I think one of the biggest ones you always see is when people go up and down stairs. Mm-hmm. Most people have a funky knee that they always take. As people age, you know, when you're working with older people, it's kind of funny that one foot's the leader. Mm-hmm. I put this foot down, one, two, yep. one, two, one, two. Well, you know, it might be time you start working on that before you go well, tumble, tumble, tumble. Well, I even noticed it on like getting into the rig. So getting onto the fire truck, I've got a small step and a large step, and I always get on the exact same way because like I've tried to build a habit to make myself most efficient. But that also means that that's the only leg that's doing the big lift because the other one is on the small lift every time. So now I think it's creating an imbalance in both of my legs because one of them, when we did this test with the, with the uh, uh, organization, uh, my, my strength to you know, range of motion ratio was terrible on the one side. And the other side, it was great. And so that kind of imbalances. They, they very quickly said, oh, we need to roll out that knee, you know, get the quad loosened up and, uh, and actually build the strength through the range of motion on that knee. Cause I, I you're going to have a problem soon if you aren't already experiencing it. Were you already experiencing it? Well, yeah, but I didn't want to tell them that I was experiencing <laughs> that we were on prehab, not rehab. Right, right, right. So what was, uh, some of the specifics you said, you check it out, then you mm-hmm. try to find some exercises to fix the problem. And so then yeah, you, you check it out. Then you identify You've now identified your issue. You set the goals, set the exercises to rectify the problem. So if my left leg is, um, is the one that's doing all the work and it's got an imbalance, well, then I need to do some exercises that work on the right side. If I have more range of motion in one side and not the other, then I'm going to do different stretching and I'm going to blow, I'm like, I'm going to blow up a lot of people's mind, like mine specifically. I hated the idea of yoga. I don't know why I don't like it. I just don't like the idea of yoga. Yeah, if you're if you're a yoga connoisseur and you're listening to this, you're like, yeah, do yoga. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I'm not, I'm not changing anybody's mind that's into yoga, but for everyone else, it's like, yeah, yoga's dumb. That's what I thought. I was like, yoga's dumb. And then we did some yoga and I realized like, this is really hard. It's the ultimate test of range of motion. It's the ultimate test of body control. It's the ultimate test of can you hold strength Balance in a position, right? right? So I could see it. Yeah. So we're doing the yoga and I am like, I'm tumble. I like, I'm a newborn deer just wobbling everywhere. On some Was it hot? Things. It wasn't wet. We didn't get the hot Was yoga. the dim lights with the candles? We didn't have the dim lights. We didn't have the candles. We did have a lot of people grunting and, and just in like, <laughs> like general low level pain. Did you hear any farts or anything? Definitely. <laughs> My favorite was, you know, the, the old man, like you make a noise to bend down. Like they had us go into, it was like, I think it was called downward dog, which oh, yeah. already like pick some better names. So we I go feel and, like that's in every movie that's ever been created. Right. They, they just have to use that name and then have to strike the pose. Right. So we do Downward Dog. And I mean, across the room, you hear, <laughs> like, just that, <laughs> that painful groan into this pose. So we do, we do that. And I realize, oh, it's because my hamstrings don't do a thing. They don't, they don't stretch. Right. And that's where my groan came from. Other guys might have been any number of other things. But mine was my hamstrings giving me the middle finger audibly. Right. So you, you test it out. You now create a, a plan, yoga being one of the great ones. Um, also, like, um, one-armed movements. So we've got, we've got people in the fire department that are very good at Olympic lifts. They're in a singular uh, motion, very strong through the entire range of motion. And arguably, Olympic lifts use a lot of range of motion to do it. But as soon as you're outside of that, like, best practice lift, the ability to lift heavy things seems to go out the window. And I'm, I'm one of those people as well. And so their, the recommendation was like, we'll now start doing those with one arm. So instead of doing, you know, your one arm deadlift or sorry, instead of doing a standard deadlift, do a one arm deadlift with something like a kettlebell, drop the weight way down because you're doing imbalancey kind of stuff. Uh, and you want to build these accessory muscles. So now you're doing these lifts one armed. And then like once those start coming together, move the one arm lift just outside of center, not far, just a little bit outside. And now you're, you're working a left side, you're working a right side with the intention. And of, I would imagine they were explaining to, to do that, but then yet still hold your core in perfect alignment and yes. don't get all wonky. Yeah. And you're saggy not trying to like, 
yeah, it's not just go through the movement and make it happen. It's mm -mm. can you hold your center? Can you stay in line? Can you do all the things you're doing with right. your two arms? Can you still hold that position with it off the center? Exactly. And and the further off the center you move it, the harder it is for your core and your balance to overcome that offset. So one of the other things they could say was um, reduce the weight even further and put it further off your body. That once again, because your big muscles do big lifting. So that's not your problem if you can do Olympic lifts and lift the moon. You know what I mean? Right. Your problem is the little muscles trying to do the accessory um, joint control. So drop the weight way down, put the weight out on those accessory muscles, and do your stuff in, in those, again, trying to keep the same um, range of motion, trying to keep the same spacing, but you're putting the emphasis on a smaller subset of your muscles. But to truly take you know the 1% theme into it, it's kind of funny because – you can get a little scatterbrained. You know, we're talking sure. about prehab, everything sure. you're talking about. You know, I think if you get together just yoga, just being that in itself, mm -hmm. if that was the remedy, that's what you're going to be doing. Right. You know, just incorporate one thing. You know, yeah. I, I personally use a lot of different exercises that I like that I've done over time that probably is similar to a, a different, crappier version of a yoga session, really. Sure. But it's muscle groups that I've decided that I need to work on that I want to focus on. So it, I'll have to try yoga and kind of see, is that the catch-all? Would it actually be my prehabilitation? It could be. I, I would say this. If we're going 1%, I would say your important part for one percenting is pick a small thing and just add that routine. So like there is a, I think it's called like the chaturanga or something. It's like a very short yoga movement it's a really good thing to do early in the morning. So you wake up, you kicked off the, the chaturanga, and the goal is to get all of those major body parts moving. And it kind of gives you like a self-assessment for the day. Like, oh, my hamstrings are really tight today. Or something to that, oh, I probably need a little bit more water. I'm not hydrated enough right. for this stuff. So your 1% is just do that in the beginning of the day. And then see where that points you for the rest of the day. And then maybe a month from now, your next thing would be, I'm going to incorporate kettlebell um, deadlifts instead of my standard deadlift uh, for at least one exercise a week. Most people aren't even doing the deadlift thing, but uh, uh, you might true. have to do Let, a little Let's add. assume you are. Let's assume you're doing some deadlifts. Let's add a kettlebell instead of the standard. Sure. Uh, sure. And again, that's just 1%. Or it's one, one day exercise. a week you do you know, that type of exercise day mm -hmm. this one time a week we're going to be doing balance stuff on wednesday is going to be strength training mm -hmm. off your we'll center. call it we'll call it no wobble wednesdays there you go brandon little catchy <sighs> don't use it <sighs> put it in the it's... description that it's already trademarked wobble wednesdays no wobble wednesdays no wobble no wobble it's balance it could work it makes sense it could work but you go through a variety of different exercises i would say for sure you want to target hamstrings quad mobility hip flexors really tied to the quad ankle if, mobility is huge for balance and not falling sure sure as you get a little bit older check the ankles low back stuff's going to be tied to your glutes i mean to be quite honest it's literally almost the full body your shoulder yep. all the time most people mm. it's all from impingement because you're too tight on the front side yep. Got to do a whole bunch of those types of stretches. But if you look at that Bulletproof Your Body, uh, search it on YouTube, uh, Trevor Tysman, Bulletproof Your Body. Those are like a collection of exercises mm -hmm. that I do every single day if you're not really into the yoga thing. But, but to 1% that, pick one of them, right? Yeah, yeah, pick pick one or the other, you know? Get, get something in there. I think if I remember right, you always recommended like a push and a pull. So always. 1%, do a push and a pull on the same kind of joint right sure 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 gotta have balance for yeah, sure. yeah all right so after that we've got the we've identified the issue by doing balance testing we've uh made a plan the last part is like start assessing where you're at and that kind of comes back to going back into the balance testing thing again so now you've done your offset lifts you've done your yoga to get some stretching through range of motion I've rolled the quad i've to... rolled the quad and uh, just abused myself like now let's get back into that balance testing have you gotten better have you seen an improvement? If you've not seen an improvement, then perhaps whatever one remedy change, you used is not, gonna not working. Right. So then adjust the the cycle, and then it, it really is a cycle: test, work, test again, new goal, work, test again, new goal, and that's like that was one one percent over and over again, which ends up you know at the end of the year, at the end of the month, however long you're you're checking this this situation out you're now two four five eight percent better 
8% better is a big deal. Sure. I mean, if you lose 8% of your body fat, like that's a massive deal. If you lift 8% more weight, that's a huge deal. Right. Well, it's kind of funny too, because as life goes on and as cycles move forward of activities that you're engaging in, you're going to just find that you get different injuries. You, mm-hmm. you have different pain points. And unless you continue to evaluate the range of motion and your balance and strength levels from head to toe, you're just going to keep finding mm-hmm. other things. And if you're only stuck on, you know, for instance, your quad, you've got a funky quad going on, you grinded it out, mm-hmm. you've hit the trigger points. It hurts, you know, it hurts a ton right now. Right. It's going to start feeling better in a week or two. You know, if that's you, the part it, I'm hoping for right now, it just feels like, like just dog meat. It yeah. feels awful. Yeah. Well, I mean, it'll feel better. You just give it some time, keep doing your stretches, get your range of motion back. But you know, you go to work, you throw the hose out or you're doing something odd. You're trying to put something away. You tweak your shoulder. If, if your shoulder doesn't also stay in your world or your circuit of let's mm-hmm. check this, let's check this, let's check this. All of a sudden, now you got something going on up here and then you're in the rehab stage. So yep. just make sure from top to bottom, I would say would be, you know, you get yourself in a little routine and you do a little bit here, check the knees, check the butt, check the quads, check the hips, check the shoulders, mm-hmm. check the neck. You know, you got to do the full body. Yeah, it, it'll keep it'll keep you kind of honest. Instead of just doing whatever's working, you're doing whatever might be creeping up and you didn't know it. Oh, we also forgot to mention that if you've ever hurt something, mm-hmm. you get to do that forever. Yeah, no, that one's that one's just rehab. Yeah, you're you, not prehabbing that one anymore. <laughs> you already broke it. You just you just put that next to the prehab, and right. that's just part of the game every yeah. day. So if you haven't hurt your back, put back prehab on there because it's coming. Yeah, like, it's you're on the happen. way. Yeah, whether or not it's in your 30s or 40s, 60s, you're going to slip a disc. I'm sure of it if you haven't checked it out to know your glutes yeah. are too tight. Yeah. <laughs> so so here's the thing that I like epiphany moment. One percent is working against you or for you all the time. I truly believe that across the the course of your life, you are probably getting 1% worse daily, weekly, monthly at things that you aren't aware of unless you find a way to be aware of it to get then to oppose it 1% better at those things Interesting to counteract your problems. That's kind of a depressing look at it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It it really hurts that way. The the whole thing where they say you're dying every day after birth or, you know, it's a really strong Mm. way to look at life, you know? Oh, yeah. I like that. So have you ever heard of the growth mindset versus fixed mindset thing? Uh, not until you start talking about it. Yeah, so. like Carol Dweck. Uh, it's it's like her her main thing is growth mindset versus fixed mindset, being on a continuum and kind of being how you perceive abilities and uh, and your like, yeah, your ability to perform tasks and do things like that. Um, I've heard a lot of people talk about it and a lot of people really tout that the growth mindset is pinnacle. That's it. Everything should be helping you move 1% better one percent more growth mindset one percent more expansive it's the ultimate uh, definition after i watched a couple videos on it and read a little i mean it's just entrepreneurship 101 right. self-help book is always the growth, the growth, growth mindset growth. you got to yep. be a growth mindset you got to move forward you got to accomplish everything right I, i'm here to persuade you right now that that is not true while while it is true many times it's not always true and this is where i think um a lot of people hopefully we'll feel a little bit of uh, like relief because not everybody is naturally growth mindset. That's part of the reason why all these books are trying to tell you, this is how you become a little bit more that way. I think there's an equal opportunity to become 1% more fixed mindset and where there are many situations where it would be way more advantageous. All right. So start here. You're in a situation. We'll, we'll go the growth mindset way. You're in a situation where you need to problem solve and come up with a creative solution, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So a growth mindset person would come up to uh, a, a problem. They would see it as an opportunity to expand skills, to look at it from a lateral direction, uh, come come at it from an entirely different perspective, and now like overcome this obstacle, right? Right. So we want that. Everybody like... Everybody likes. I mean, that's to say what they want the that. ultimate goal of what everyone's striving for is try to make everything the best, and, right? You know, make everything more efficient. Exactly, and and maybe efficiency isn't even the right word. Maybe the maybe the right word is like um, solve problems that before now have never never been solved. So growth mindset is great for all those scenarios where you're trying to overcome the impossible or trying to overcome something that has no set plan to overcome. But now let's put you in an opposite situation where growth mindset is going to be like hampering. You're in a spot where 
you have everything you have on your person. You have everything you have talents and abilities wise. You're ready to go. You have like two hours to get this job done. You can't get better at the job. You're here today doing the thing. There is a set way to do it. And if you follow the, the, the rule of doing it, you're going to get done quickly. You're going to get done efficiently. We'll put it in the firefighter perspective. I need you to get in there and I need you to save a person in the Charlie side, the back side of the house. You have whatever you have today, your abilities, your tools, and all that kind of stuff. I just need you to get it done before the house burns down around them because we're losing this one. Right. That's it. If you're going to brainstorm, you're going to waste time. If you're going to come at it laterally, you're going to waste time. If you're going to um, talk back and forth with your command or anything like that to try and come up with a game plan or something crazy, you're going to waste time. You have a very short window. You have a very important mission to accomplish, and there is a way to do it that you've been training on. That's where fixed mindset is 100% what you need to lean into. So during your this presentation, was that kind of the dots that they were trying to connect as if you know, don't always work to be so creative. You know, th this can trust in your processes, trust in th those yes. elements. Yeah. So, so a lot of the, a lot of the literature out there is really trying to push people towards growth mindset. And what they were saying was maybe you're 1% better today is help you find the moments where being 1% more fixed mindset will actually help you accomplish a task. You won't bog yourself down in trying to grow, trying to outthink trying to acquire skills. Instead, you've done that part. Now you're executing. It's fixed mindset. You have what you have, now go. And I, I loved it. Like for me, I love growth mindset. I feel like I sit pretty naturally in growth mindset. And I've always looked at fixed mindset as like this, oh, that's the crappy vert. Like that's the crappy mindset. You don't want that mindset. I mean, have you had, have you, have you looked through these mindsets to be like, yeah, I don't want to be that guy. He stinks. Yeah, you know, through the, through my career so far, I've always been striving for the growth thing, reading books, trying to figure out how to be more creative, how to come up with the next idea, how to move things forward, how to show a different drill, how to, mm -hmm. you know, all of those things. But once you, I actually have a problem that once I get to a point where I feel like the process is the process, this mm -hmm. is the best way to do it. I get demotivated. Right. Cause yeah. I'm not, it's not creative anymore. I yeah. The growth, I have the to, growth mindset gone. Yeah. I don't have to come up with anything anymore. There's no better way to do it. This is the way. And I've noticed that in the last couple of years as I've become wiser, you know, that, um, I don't do well in like the long-term grind after the fact, mm -hmm. as long as I'm progressing, as long as I get super into the process, when I figure it out, then you got to find a new level of joy. And that's almost, right. uh, it's a challenge. It can well, be a challenge. So that, that would be an exact example of saying, now I want to move from my growth mindset naturally to this fixed mindset to continue to work and strive in, in a place that you would. So the 1% difference in that and, and the way it was kind of um, pictured to us was uh, something more like a laser beam versus like a spotlight. So you're, you're, your laser beam is your focus. It's your fixed mindset. It's it. This is I'm drilling into whatever this problem is and going for it. The you know spotlight is more of like I'm looking at all of the options. I'm looking at all of my available things. And so that visualization for me really helped me decide well which mindset do I need more right now? And just by being able to one percent better say what mindset do I want, it helped me not be so like initially joyful or initially pissed off at this attack, like this assignment. And so the 1% is, am I laser focused? So like get, get a scenario, but think of one like, heck, even just in making this, this, uh, um, this video series and things like that, where's a spot where it's like, I need growth mindset. I need that spotlight. Look at the thing. What do you got? Uh, what do you mean? Do you mean like processes of making like a show? Or? Yeah, like, like yeah, like we'll say we'll, we even pull it back from there. Over the over the past day, like yesterday, was there a time when you're like, ah, I need I need bandwidth. I need a big old spotlight to just see options. Yeah, you know, for me, listening to people that are thinking helps me think. So, and okay. if I listen to long format podcasts or studies or doctors talk about things in that scenario, I come up with tons of ideas of things I want to know more about just mm -hmm. being generally curious. So I don't know for sure if I'm answering your question exactly, but when I'm in the growth process, it's almost like if I bring in 
more knowledge, mm-hmm. then I can make more knowledge. No, that's perfect. So like we're brainstorming for what thing we want to put on the show next or for all those sorts of things. You just start listening and, and absorbing things right. and you keep that wide spotlight out there. Exactly. That's perfect. So now um, we're going to talk about a place where it's like laser focused. So is there is there a moment then where all of this connecting is worthless and I really well, just need to... Sure. Like if I'm doing a show, uh, I would have multiple, multiple bullet points, multiple, multiple facts, pages of stuff. And then you got to turn it into segments. Right. And you got to make it a little cleaner for the audience to hear. And not only to keep us from rambling around, like have a bit of a direction and understand what you're what you're trying to get your point across. You know, when you talk in front of a microphone for a really long time, it's kind of interesting because you can kind of move through and jabber jibber jabber mm-hmm. and do the whole deal but to like really actually have something to say you, you got to plan a little bit so yeah. the the laser focus for me would be taking the full page turn it into segments and having a, a direction of what you're trying to do mm-hmm. and i think even even maybe more laser focus than that is when you sit down finally to start editing because now there's no i don't have to get creative at all i have what i have and yeah. it's time to just start executing the on grind. The, right. I think I think I don't even think you could you could actually swap out video editing for grinding. Like I think it's just liter- call it the same thing. Yeah, I think it's literally the same thing. Right. You know? So so that's kind of the idea of where uh, if if we're talking one percent better, everyone likes talking one percent better, one percent more growth, one percent more that way. But I'm trying to say there are moments where it's time to sit down and video edit. It's time to sit down and execute this plan. It's time to sit down and get more people on board because our communication hinges around predictability. Do you know what I'm going to do? Well, I don't have to tell you what I'm going to do, and, I, and we can go faster. Right. Now we're predictable. Now, now when you send me an email about a topic idea, I already know what you expect me to do. We go. Interesting. So the, the overall, I guess, the observation that I'm seeing between the lines that they're trying to connect is kind of witty in a way. Yeah. You you. Stay very creative. You come up with the best processes. You find new ways of doing things, and then you train. You get everybody on board, mm-hmm. and bringing in the idea of a fixed mindset in a time constraint or something that needs to be done right now and needs to be done great means just stick to the task. Right. Do what you're supposed to do. Yeah, and and for me, where that really kind of comes, like I said, I come from the growth side pretty naturally. For me, it's it's trying to have that mantra of like, no laser focus right now. You don't have to come up with another option. The options here go. And that, that re engagement of the exact same information over and over again is the thing that helps me uh, kind of pivot into that mindset that 1% more that I have to do is just including that mantra laser focus right now, laser focus right now. And that puts me into a place where I can be decisive it, uh, laser focus, uh, that fixed mindset puts me in a place where uh, I can also bring other people on board. It also makes me a place where I can be predictable. And I think there are a lot of times throughout our lives where predictability is super, super important. It lets other people join you in a mission because they know where you're going. They know where you're at. Growth mindset, I mean, you could be in a whole different place tomorrow. That's really hard to get behind. I have a friend... Uh... I work out with him often in the afternoons and uh, <laughs> we joke about it all the time because I'm all over the map. Mm-hmm. I'll mm-hmm. be laser focused here. I'll be over here. I'll be over here. I'm shifting everything mm-hmm. possibly that I ever thought was going to be. And, you know, we just, we're friends. We just chit chat and we talk through some stuff and, you know, he makes the joke even just yesterday. He's like, well, I know that uh, today at 3 p.m. That, that that's where you're at today. But uh, it may change, may not. But I'll give you my opinion about where you're at at this current exact sure. moment. It's just which, kind of funny. Which is great. Like, you've got that spotlight turned up all the time where you're just like, I, I'm i seeing interesting things left, right, and center. But I think if I'm not mistaken, this guy's a little bit more laser-focused fella in, in general. And so when you've got someone that's laser-focused, it really is – like jarring to hear them be like, yeah, but like, what are we doing right now? Yeah. Uh, well, we could, we could do this. No, 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 not could. What are we doing right now? Right. Ugh. Like that, that crushes my soul a little bit. Anytime someone says, yeah, but what are we doing right now? I feel like all of the fun wheels that are grinding in my brain of, of options, they come to this screeching halt and I sit there like blank faced. I don't know. I don't know. Right. I don't know what I want to do right now. Well, maybe to take action, though, if you were to actually take this knowledge and incorporate it in your mm-hmm. life, maybe it's uh, more about understanding how they both balance together. Yeah. And then 
getting 1% better at a piece of it? Yeah. You know, are you, do you lack the ability to be laser focused and finish a task? Mm -hmm. Well, maybe you should become 1% better at that. Maybe the mindset shouldn't be thought of yin and yang. Right. It should be thought of, this is what mindset is. Right. And I need and, to slide left and yeah. slide right when the, when the situation makes sense. All right. So since we're both growth mindset kind of people, naturally, what would be something that would help um, someone kind of move 1% closer to growth? Because I mean, it, it feels more natural to me. I should be able to at least come up with something that says like, just be more like me in this moment. You know, I don't know. It, it's kind of hard because I think a lot of people don't try to think outside the box too much. They mm -hmm. they do the process that they were told to do, and they think that that is the best and only way to do it. And for a lot of people, that can be the best way that they would be able to come up with. So, you know, the idea of bettering yourself and, and being creative, uh, you might almost take it as like, can you incorporate that in your your hobbies mm -hmm. can you start in oh, the go, hobbies go somewhere where the pressure doesn't matter as much yeah take it out of like maybe so so specifically in your tasks that have to be done a certain way mm -hmm. that maybe you don't even have any control of but to live a happily happy more fulfilling life maybe use hobbies as a category to explore you know if you really Ooh. get into something can you explore the true essence of how you could become the best at it and then practice the procedure to become the best at something and explore what types of equipment you might need. Um, what type of brainstorming things work best for mm -hmm. you? Try to solve the problem of a hobby. Maybe could actually change the way that someone interprets the way that they do things in other capacities in their life. Or at the very least, give you the practice at being more growth mindset so that you can then use that same skill in a job or in another sure. in another more pressured situation yeah that's what i would think i, I would, really like that yeah i would think if, if you focus on hobbies as being the most creative side of yourself and exploring that way you know it's going to bring more happiness into your life and in turn in a fixed capacity you know once you figure out the best ultimate way to do something well then transfer that hobby into this is the best and so I'm going to make this the best process. Boom. Now it's a, a fixed thing. Get another new hobby. Mm -hmm. You know, and maybe that would be a, an interesting exercise for people to uh, yeah. try. So on the one side, when you're going more growth set, you're, you're going to pick a hobby or something that at least mildly interests you. So there's no, there's no like win or lose on this. This is just something that, that I think could be fun. I'm not, my paycheck isn't associated with it. My relationship status isn't associated with it. This is just joy potential. Sure. And then play in the growth there. All right. So fixed side, I want to go 1% more fixed. Can you do the same thing you think in a, in a hobby or does this now have to all of a sudden matter? Um, the fixed is tough because I feel like even when you look through videos and if you actually look at like the comparison where books have been written, what was the the gal's name? Uh, Carol really, Dweck. Yeah, she's really well known for it. And, you know, it just seems as though there's such a negative connotation. But I think that life has a lot to do with perspective. Mm -hmm. If you think that everything sucks, well, then it sucks. So if you embrace the idea of if you have to be a cog in a wheel at a time, maybe you got... This is probably a bad example, but maybe you got 20 mulch beds. You got to put mulch down and do it. Do you think you can sit there and just be creative all day long and think of the best possible process and it takes you nine hours to do it? Or do you just pick up the shovel and the wheelbarrow and get it done? You right. know, I, I don't know. And now know all of a sudden you're done by lunch and you have all of after lunch to do whatever it is you want to growth all over. Right, right. No, you that's know, a good point. I don't know for sure if I've... It's a, it's a tough thing to evaluate because it, it kind of is explaining personality types in a in a way that it doesn't have to be negative if you don't look no. at them all negative. No, absolutely. I mean, if every example you're turning into a negative connotation, well, then I guess I need to be more growth. But at yeah. the same time, can I just be happy that I'm paying, making a paycheck and every I'm able to move on? Every video I've ever watched is always like, hey, here's the fixed mindset and here's how you don't do that because that sucked. You, you kind of wonder though, sometimes you see this stuff. There's a real business market of entrepreneurship. Yes. So you kind of wonder how many things you're actually looking at that's making you feel like you do, you're not good enough. When in all reality, they're just trying to sell to want to be entrepreneurs. So you turn everything in a, in a format that basically makes it out to be that way. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I've got a big comparison with my wife and it's uh, kind of funny because 
before you have kids, you think of it as like two people. Mm-hmm. You have disagreements or maybe you don't think the same way. And you kind of wonder, well, is this going to be bad down the road? And then you have a kid and you go, no, no, you're like that because I wouldn't be able to be here in this moment for right. this kid. Like this is two different people. This is the moment I would murder this child. And so this is why you're here yeah. to keep that from occurring. Exactly. It's like, you know, people are built different for a reason. And I don't know that you should always just look at everything as a, a complete negative annotation. It could be your biggest strength. You're just looking at yeah. it the wrong way. So when I when I sat down and, and I'm listening to this presenter kind of talk through growth and, and fixed mindset. I found myself like trying to evaluate like winter times when I've tried to talk to my kids about these sorts of things. And so I found the best way to help uh, one of my boys who's very fixed mindset um, was to try and give him to like come up with the craziest option possible. Like what if you were, for instance, we were trying to figure out like, how do you get good at dribbling a soccer ball, for instance? And in his mind, like there was only one way to get good at dribbling a soccer ball and he hated it. So I'm not going to be good at dribbling a soccer ball. But I was like, well, what if you were, what if you were a hamster learning to dribble a soccer ball? He's like, well, they don't do that. It's like, no, I know they don't do that. Right. But like, just imagine if you were a hamster trying to learn how to dribble a soccer ball, like how would you do it? Well, now what if you were an eagle? And so like eventually he started like thinking of different animals and how they would dribble a soccer ball. And all of a sudden, like he started coming up with different games to play to dribble a soccer ball. And by the end of the time, he's dribbling a soccer ball for like 20 minutes, messing around with these different ideas. But the the problem was solved through like being as weird as you could be. And that helped him move into this growth and acquire of abilities mindset. Other side of it trying to get uh, my, my other boy to move into a more fixed mindset. It was really trying to get the idea of like, hey, if you get this done, we can do whatever else we want to. And so it was like hammering down, like when you come home from school, let's put your computer here, get it plugged in. Let's get your shoes here, get them plugged in. Get this lined out, executed every day so it's predictable and you have no problems like executing on this thing. And then you can go off and do whatever else you want. We've saved time through, you know, a fixed mindset moment. And now you can move into whatever other thing that naturally makes sense to you. And I found those two examples, like that's where you get 1% better. If you want to be more fixed, you build habits. You want to be more fixed, you you hone in on the best practice, like you had said. When you want to be more fixed, you you laser focus and then decide what thing keeps me from being laser focused right now. Eliminate that. And now you're moving 1% more and more and more fixed. Because there's times, like you said, I want to be, be fixed. And there's times when I want to be growth. And there's times when I want to be growth and I need you to be fixed. Right. And I think all of those things will play in uh, as long as we can find the, the tweaks. It, I mean, it's a pretty cool little, uh, what would you call it? I guess it wouldn't be exactly a presentation. It was a retreat or what, what was the... Yeah, I mean, it was it was an attempt to kind of give a holistic approach to being... I mean, their, their main strive was like being 1% better at all, at all things that you do. And that encompassed things from um, nutrition, uh, sleep, uh, exercise, mental space, uh, stress uh, management, like all those things. And so there was like professionals that were... Um, specifically doctors of sleep science, um, uh, professional trainers for like SEAL Team 6 and stuff. Like these are high productivity specialists in their fields that came through and, and like gave presentations on all these these elements of kind of like lifestyle. Yeah. I mean, I would have liked to have been a fly on a wall. I appreciate uh, you sharing everything with us because uh, to be honest, it's some really cool topics that should make you think, you know, it's it. Everything felt applicable because everything was just like normal life stuff that could be a little bit better. Absolutely. Well, if you like the show today, please like and subscribe to the videos. You can find us on Spotify or Apple as well. Uh, we're going to have some other great episodes coming out. We're doing about two or three a week. So if you want to subscribe to the channel, we'd really appreciate it and uh, have a good day.